Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 524 of Film Bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Becky Foster, hello everybody. Hello, hello one and all. Mark will be with us at some point, but he's uh, not home yet, so uh, again, I'm hosting. So I'll probably end up hosting next week as well, because uh, Mark only wants to uh, host even-numbered shows. What it's a he's he's a funny one yeah yeah you're betrothed he really is um so coming up on this week's show um so a, a little bit of a change from the, from the scheduled programming in a way um so we're going to talk the color purple the new musical reinterpretation mark and becky are going to talk about the zone of interest because i still haven't been able to get to it basically it's not actually in full release in the uk yet a24 are doing screenings at weekends for the last couple of weekends apparently it actually is out this coming friday okay so at some point i will see it but i'll be honest i already know a, um a fair bit about it and i'm all right these guys chatting about it before it just disappears out of minds and mark's going to be making some very provocative and controversial comments so uh, i think we probably need to make sure that he actually remembers what happened in the film <laughs> gonna really piss me off isn't he probably i think he's probably gonna piss a lot of people listening to this off yeah so i but i genuinely don't know what his problem with it is so far so we will find out i don't either really he just keeps saying (laughs) oh i have things to say all right any any hints any spoilers no i have things to say right okay whatever i think my fire alarm in the downstairs just did said something lottie everything all right Please be aware, there's smoke in the hallway. The alarm may sound. It's going to be loud. Just going to check what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> John, you're down there, yeah? John? Yeah, Right. 
Well, apparently vegetarian sausages uh, get um, smoky. smoky. Apparently so, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Okay. No, it's all good. So uh, we've also, we'll also talk some news, some trailers, what we've been up to. So we've got, uh, got at least a couple of Twitter questions I've seen. Okay. Um, we are a pod syndicate podcast. Please do listen to like-minded shows such as Stringer Joker vs. Punter, The Rewatch Project, The Good, Bad, The Odd, Gaming Landfill, etc., um, but Becky, I've got a question for you. Go on. What is Baghead and should we be scared of it? <laughs> it's not as simple as that. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, literally only went to see this movie because I found the name amusing. Um, and out of the three of us, I think I'm probably the most forgiving of trashy shitty horror movies so i thought if any of us were going to get anything out of it it was probably going to be me um and i've seen a lot of stuff very ungenerous stuff about this movie online so i wasn't expecting very much at all and that's maybe that's maybe tempered my enjoyment of it but (laughs) a lot of unfavorable comparisons to talk to me um have been floating around which I guess you could make that comparison if you want it to be really fucking lazy, but it's 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 its own thing, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's really fucking good, ten out of ten banger horror film of the year, but it isn't anywhere near as bad as people seem to be enjoying making it out to be. Um, so don't really know how to explain it without being spoilery um i know we're all spoilers all the time but you've not seen it yet either Mm. um so how how fussed are you about me spoilering it uh i mean i'll probably get to it at some point but i feel like it's probably going to be the cinema for one week and done so Mm. um Yeah, yeah basically iris um the main character the blonde girl in the trailer she inherits um this pub off her dad who she hasn't had contacted with in years um she's not doing great you find out throughout the film that the um dad abandoned the family and she was being raised by her mother her mother got cancer and died and then she went into care so she's not doing super great she's got this friend um who's lovely and very supportive of her and but also comes from like the same care home um but she seems a bit more together than than iris is and so anyway so she gets this call she she goes to um berlin randomly where her dad is running this english pub called the queen's head um which choices were made obviously but it's Mm. an odd one but like it doesn't feel super like the fact that it's based the house is uh, the pub sorry is in germany doesn't come into the plot so it's not like it's um takes you out of it necessarily It, it just seems like it's on some big industrial estate is it just an excuse for like why the film is then shot in Germany for whatever for tax reasons, for budget reasons? Yeah yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So yeah, so she goes and she um, meets this super creepy guy at the hospital where she's been to identify her dad, and he's like, "Oh, 
sign the property over to me and I can get money for it and then we'll liquidate the assets, blah, blah, blah. Um, and obviously she's, she's quite young, so probably would be the thing that makes sense to do, but you know, she asks if she can, she wants to speak to her lawyer first. So she, she ends up staying a night in the pub, random creepy guy turns up, um, wanting to speak to the woman in the basement who obviously she knows nothing about. Um, and then she gradually finds out that the woman in the basement is, is Baghead who can, (laughs) can, if you, if she has to like consume something owned by the dead person, um, and then she can bring them back to life for, you know, for, for, for you to ask questions to. But if it right. goes over two minutes, then they still retain, like, the form of the dead person. But she can get free, and the things that she's saying with the face of the dead person are just nasty fucking things. Like, it's her again, but in their body. Right. Yeah? So that's why there's the two-minute timer. Um so the guy offers her money to speak to Baghead because he wants to say bye to his wife who's died. Do they do they refer to her as just Baghead? Wait. Like it's not the Baghead or Miss Baghead. It's just Baghead. Wait, it comes up a couple of times in the movie. The right. Baghead. Um, <laughs> okay. They don't. They don't. You know. They don't like say Baghead. Like like Baghead. I think they call her Baghead. Um, so there's a bit more like. Uh, yeah, you know, it's more enunciated than just baghead. Yeah. But at the same time, she's just baghead. Um, so anyway, yeah. blah, blah, blah. She, so she's been struggling for money. This man offers her money to speak to baghead. So she says, come back tomorrow. Her friend rings her and says, oh, I'm coming across. I've already bought the ticket. The the friend that I mentioned earlier. Um, and then he comes back. They don't try and find out any information about the woman in the basement in the interim or anything like that. They just wait for him to come back and then they take his £4,000 and let him go and speak to Baghead. Um, and uh, so he gives it an, his wife's engagement ring. Um, and But then his mum is the face that comes back. Um, right. So obviously he's given his mum's engagement ring to his wife. Um, and yeah. that's why Baghead got confused. Um, but, yeah, and then it all goes horribly wrong. Like, half, it, she's she's talking to him and all this kind of stuff. Turns out she committed suicide and she's ask, he's asking her why. Um, and then the timer goes off. Uh, no, actually, at this point, Iris doesn't know about the timer because he hasn't told her and he she doesn't know anything about the, 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 the rules. Um, so it gets past two minutes and then she starts saying, oh, it was because of you. I hated every second of being your mother, blah, blah, blah. And it's because obviously... The now ex- it's just Baghead saying yeah, nasty shit. Just saying nasty shit. Right. Um, probably t- true because he is a bit of a cunt. But right. um, yeah, so back and forth, they find out a little bit more. Turns out... Um, oh God, there's, just, there's too much to explain without like really getting into the weeds on it. But yeah, anyway, so... Turns out this guy's a bad dickhead. He's the one that caused his wife to die because she was going to leave him, so he drugged a drink. But instead of just falling asleep, she went and got in a car, died in a car accident. Oh, dear. Um, She obviously blames him for her death. But he brings her back once, and she doesn't remember. And she's like, oh, my God, where am I? But then he brings her back again. And, like, I don't know whether, like, once they've been brought back, they can mull stuff over or whatever. But she's remembered more, and she remembers what happened. Um, but Iris overhears and 
so throughout the film you find out that that baghead is actually um she she she's the way that she is because some evil gang of dickhead guys um in like the middle ages found out this woman could do this had this power that she could like bring back the dead um and tried to make tried to exploit her and make her do that for them and she refused because she saw it as like an evil power um so they declared her a witch burned her at the stake but obviously because she was like super powered she didn't actually die so then she became baghead so she went from just being nice lady who didn't want to use evil powers to actual witch that was evil mm. um so because they'd created this thing they then bricked her into the wall of this building which then but, yeah. obviously in latter years became a pub which has been handed down and down between cursed people right. um and then this brotherhood still existed years down the line but they'd forgotten how evil she was so they unbricked it and they started using her again and then from that point it's just been whoever's name is on the deed is the guardian of Baghead and the guardian is the only person that she will obey. Right, so that guy was like signing over to me because he wants Baghead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That's the yeah, creepy guy. Um, but yeah, you... So, Iris overhears the conversation between um, a creepy guy and his wife where she finds out that he actually killed her. Um, and then he notices she's there so he chases her out up onto the roof um oh so he's tried to sign the deed with his name to take control of of baghead so that he can force her to bring his wife back at any time that he wants and she's just not having any of it because the previous um guardian isn't dead so he chases iris out onto the roof pushes her off the roof so um so obviously then she's dead then he, he goes down grabs her phone brings her body into the building, feeds the phone to Baghead um, right. to bring Iris back to force her to sign. But it obviously then Baghead is Iris and Iris is Baghead's guardian. Right, yeah. Because her name's still on the deed. So yeah. no, no, other, no other name has gone on there since, uh, since because it's not, it's not had time yet. So... Um, Baghead is Baghead's own guardian at this point. Like she's, right. she's she's fucking taken the power back, mm. um, and yeah, just just fucking sets fire to the fucking place and leaves. But like through flashbacks, it's so the guardian can control the witch up until the witch gets in the guardian's head, and then it's like who's controlling who. Right. So through flashbacks, you kind of find out that f- from very very early on, because like you're watching it going. Every wrong decision this girl can make, she is making. Like, she has not made a single logical, correct decision at any point in this movie. She's just she's just a fucking idiot. Turns out, she's actually not. She's just been manipulated by Baghead from, like, their very first meeting. Right. And Baghead's, like, created this series of events so that Iris would die. She would be fed one of Iris's possessions and then she would get control over herself. So it's it's it's... It's actually like really like clever from that. Yeah, point. That, that sounds like a decent twist. That yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, like I, I I genuinely wasn't expecting very much of it at all, and it's the ending of it is just like fuck yeah, you take control of your weird witchy life back. It's is it so? Is, is it so? It's and it's like I, I take it she's in the form of the the main girl now. 
yeah, yeah. And, so and she, she fucks not... off, walks away from the fire, like the end of Suspiria or some shit. Yeah, yeah. So she's, um, when she's bag at Iris, um, just after it's happened, she's wearing like the, the robes that she's wearing throughout. But then when she actually leaves the burning building, she's in Iris's clothes with Iris's bag. So she's just going to go off and live Iris's fucking life. Yeah. And she's free. Yeah, that's the kind of like the villain who's not really a villain fucking yeah, everybody she, over and exactly, getting away yeah. is always it, a good ending. It's kind of like the, the whole like Fair Street vibe where like there's the, the witch everyone's fucking terrified of, but she's the, the way that she is because of what it, she was made into. It reminds me of, weirdly, of The Last Exorcism Part 2, where I don't know if you've, if you've seen it or remember it, but essentially, it's the girl from the first one mm. where, essentially, at the end of it, she's like, do you know what? Humanity's shit. I think I will be, I think I will just, like, be, uh, have, have the devil in me. And, like, the end of that, I, like, I think I'm remembering this right, is her just walking down a street, basically, like, looking at cars and then blowing up and shit. <laughs> and like it just be like and just being a kind of like a badass cool yeah she's like taking that shit back yeah um and yeah that, I, 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 that's interesting that's mm. interesting and like I, I said to mark afterwards like there's all these people saying oh well if it had come out before talk to me it might be more highly regarded but talk to me does it better talk to me absolutely does not fucking do it better <laughs> this is better than talk to me by a significant margin yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to doubt it. Like I, I like. I like talk to me, but it's also a twenty four to immediately give it two more stars than you maybe otherwise would. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like genuinely, really quite surprised by how much I enjoyed it. So I almost didn't go either because I was going after work yesterday because I I finished at five and Mark didn't finish till eight. Mm. I finished work and I was just fucking knackered and I was like, oh, I might just sit and watch some TV in the car. And I was like, no, go. What else are you going to do for like three hours? So, yeah, I almost didn't go and I'm really, really glad I did. I really, yeah, it's... Again, I'm not going to sit here and say it's great. It's a classic of the genre, but it's... It's it's good. It's good fun. For, you know, it, it's got an interesting story to tell. Mm. It does jump scares the right way, whereby it doesn't have loads of, like, ramping up music before it and then a jump scare. So it's like, well, hang on, you just took the jump out of jump scare? That you, you telegraphed it too much. Like, the jump scares that happen are just there. And they are genuinely kind of like... They do make you jump. Um, there's a bit where, like, one of the old um, guardians... Um, the friend, I can't remember the friend's name, um, is reading some stuff about like the old owners and things like that. And um, then he's just there at the bar with like his, his grim, rotting face. Nice. And it, it just it just comes out of nowhere. It doesn't need to be there, but it's it's just Katie, she's called. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it, actually. Fucking A. Oh, that's great. Um, so, yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know, Baghead is like in UK cinemas now. I'd never heard of it until I saw it in the listings last week um, and just thought, that's a funny title. So, <laughs> yeah. Does, does she refer to herself as Baghead at all? She doesn't really talk when she's the witch. Right. Okay, fair enough. 
Um, you never see her. You never see her like eating the things that she's given either. Like she does it under the bag. Um, you don't really see much of her at all. Right. Apart from the bag, obviously. That's funny. Right. Cool. All right. Baghead. Sounds like it's, it's worth a go. Yeah. Um, and what else have you been up to, Bex? Um, yeah, I was thinking this. Not not a huge hell of a lot, to be perfectly honest. Have I watched anything on my own? No. No. Reading a lot. So, mm. I obviously am on my hella big reread of the Stephen King Dark Tower series. Mm. Um, I don't know where I was up to when I last said about it i think i've read the end of the book i was reading a whole other book and half of the last book since we last spoke because i think i was on wolves of the color um so yeah um i won't i won't go into huge details on the dark tower series but there's basically there's a break point where it's a book of flashback story so the main character Roland the first three books are kind of linear you get to a certain point and then he tells a story about his history and then you come back into the present and then it goes on from there so you've got three books flashback book three books um and then the last three books really get kind of weird um and start getting quite um I guess like meta um in that there's a lot of real world stuff pulled in. Um, Father Callahan from Salem's Lot, which even if you've not read the books, you've probably seen the movie. Um, the same Father Callahan out of that is a character in the fifth book. Um, he then realises at the end of that book that he's a character in a book written by a guy called Stephen King um, because he's... He, through circumstances he sees the book and then it all becomes a bit like shit are we all just characters in this man's story but they're addressing it in the story um and then in the sixth book they go and they actually meet stephen king um Hmm. and then yeah i'm into the the last book now number seven which is a fucking doorstop of a book like it's it difficult to read because it's so big to hold (laughs) (laughs) wow so i've got the um the the hardback edition of the of of quite a few of them with like the illustrations in and because the the spine of the book is so thick like some of the pictures have started to come a little bit loose because obviously once you break the spine of a of a book like the, the pages aren't aren't held quite as tightly and the, the thicker the book the, the more easily the pages fall out and because yeah. the because the illustrations are on like cardstock or whatever they're they're starting to come a little bit loose and they stick out a little bit further than the rest of the pages it is a well-worn book considering how big it is um but yeah it, it kind of it's it's interesting it has a similar effect to me uh, on me as like the matrix does where every once in a while i just kind of go Maybe we are all just living in the Matrix. Like maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe we're all in pods, and this is all fake because it it feels too outlandish to be real. Um, and the Dark Tower kind of has a similar kind of effect on me in that it's like, who's to know what's real? Like, are we all just characters in somebody's story? We could just <laughs> be being written by the God in the Machine. You know, you you just don't know. 
So it, it, I always find it quite like interesting rereading the tail end of the the series because it's it's it just it's just a bit weird. It's real weird. Um, it's weird having Stephen King as a character in there as well. I think yeah. he tries really hard not to be too arrogant about like his success in it, and it's like, but if anyone else was writing about you, they'd be like bigging you up. So it's it's odd from that point but, of view. But I take it he's not like also taking the piss out of himself too much or anything. Like it's not like meta. <laughs> no, no, it's um, but like he. So I'm I'm about to get to the bit where it addresses the accident that he was in. Okay. Because mm. the, the, yeah. Um, because obviously, because he's writing their story, if he dies, then the tower could collapse and who knows what would happen. But obviously we all know that he doesn't, but like, yeah, he's getting to that point in the book. So it's, 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 it's weird. It must've been real weird to write as well. Mm. But yeah. So that's, pretty much all I've been doing with my free time. I did start watching An American Werewolf in London, but I've not had a chance to finish it yet. You're going to watch An American Werewolf in Paris as well? <laughs> I might do. I don't know if I've ever seen that one. It's not great. Is it not? Mm. I might pass then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CG in it is beyond horrific. Oh, really? Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it was kind of like mid late nineties where, you know, they were kind of like starting to use CG and everything, and all of it looked shit. Ah, oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we had like a brief period where it looked quite good, and now we're back into looking at, looking shit again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is the way of things. Excellent. But yeah, that's that's literally me. That's all I've done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I mean, uh, so I, I rewatched Asteroid City and Barbie, but I talked about them. Um, uh, in in the, the review of the year show, so I'll, I'll skip those. So I've got I've got a few. Um, so I rewatched Fast X, um, which I, I I kind of feel like I was being charitable with it in the cinema. Um, I think on a rewatch, I think I'd be going Geostorm. Um, it is. Oh my god, we started watching that last night. It's fucking awful, but it's it never boring. <laughs> I actually really want to rewatch Fast X. Sorry, when I said we started watching that again last night, I'm in Geostorm. Um, <laughs> but I do actually kind of want to rewatch Fast X, just really for Jason Momoa. The, the, the thing is, he's having fun, mm. and nobody else is having fun. Every everybody else, it's deadly serious. And then you got Jason Momoa doing like that thing that kind of got gift, where like at one point he's like, "Here we go," and the bit where he's talking to those henchmen who he's killed, um, and like he's doing in. their nail, one of their nails, and just chatting away. Um, and it it is a wild performance. But then you've also got John Cena, who, yes, okay, he kind of he became a good guy at the end of the last one. But then in this, it's John Cena drinking the "old oh, people think I'm really good at comedy" Kool Aid, which he is all right. But him being teamed up with Little B 
it, it again it just it feels like that's out of a different film it feels like there's five different films all fighting with each other through the course of this um the you know rita moreno giving a toast at one of their barbecues about and, and talking about legacy where it's like these fuckers started off stealing dvd players out of trucks it just no no it's so high on its own supply and the action sequences are just incredibly riddled with cg and, and green screen at this point and it, it it there's but there are mad choices constantly just really why the fuck did you decide to go with that stuff yeah. Um. And it, it's wild. And you know, Justin Lin walked. He does have a screenplay credit on this. It is the screenplay is credited to two people, and Justin Lin is one of them. And yes, okay, there's probably a lot of like shady people did a lot of rewrites and like just didn't get credit on it, kind of stuff. But I, I, I wonder. I do wonder how far away this was from what the Justin Lin one would have been. Like, what was, what was the the breaking point? Um, because it's not that far away from Fast Nine, in terms of the goofiness. And I mean, like the soap opera element of Fast Nine. If anything, that's actually turned toned down here because <laughs> the bad guy is just Jason Momoa being weird dickhead um it is it's just an odd odd duck of a film mm. and it makes me laugh that they that like they came out a couple of weeks back and said that the next one's going to be more grounded <laughs> you've ended this one with vin diesel and kid at the bottom of a dam with and the dam has just been exploded by jason momoa the head of like the CIA unit that was going to be ca- like that 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 kind of like turned around and started helping Diesel. It turns out is actually Jason Momoa's business partner, and it looks like all the rest of the team have been killed in a plane crash. How the fuck do you go from there to we're going to be more grounded? <laughs> like I I feel like it's somehow going to start with. Diesel and Little B are now hiding out, and the fir- like the first scene is going to be them street racing. But I don't know, Vin Diesel's got a fucking wig on, or some shit, and they're going to be hiding out in Indonesia doing street races, and it's going to be more grounded because there's a street race in it, and that's what they mean by more grounded. <laughs> it, uh, it, yeah, I mean, but like I say, it's never boring. It's like so, I can't I can't hate it, but it's it's funny because I know a lot of like Fast and Furious super fans were like I am out, and it's like the 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 action filmmaking is not nearly as good as like five six and seven. Mm. It's not, but in terms of the stupid plot and the stupid characters. I mean, seven's seven's obviously very like different because of the Paul Walker of it all. Yeah, but it's not that far away. But it is it is ramped up. But I would watch Fast X over Fast Nine again in a heartbeat. 
even though I think Fast 9 is better made, mm. Fast X is more entertaining. Yeah. But in a slightly, funnily enough, car crash way. So, yeah, Fast X. I'll probably watch it again before the next one comes out. Um, <laughs> and it, make, it does make me laugh as well. Like the mid-credits bit where it's like Hobbs, it, like uh, uh, The Rock comes back into it. Um, apparently they shot that like 10 weeks before the film came out. It was like real last minute shit. And the Godot smite or smirking thing was supposed to be the mid credits. And when you're watching the film, that actually makes a lot of sense because it, it like how it should end is the dam exploding. Vin Diesel looking at his kid cut to credits, then have Godot. But instead you've got that cut to Rodriguez and Ferron walking up and then the submarine coming up and then Godot smirking and that's the end of the film. And it's such a weird note to end on, just Gal Godot smirking, doing that look on her face that she always does. Mm. Like she does... Gal Godot, great physical presence, is actually all right in the first Wonder Woman now she just seems to smirk and go, yep, it's me. And that's what she does in films. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's something. But yeah, there you go. Fast X. Um, okay. Uh, I also rewatched the Simpsons movie. Um, and because um, Lottie was up for watching it. Um, and we watched... Um, so I've... She was saying something about a knife the other day. I was like... Ah, oh, see, so you played Knifey Spoonie before. And she was like, what? So I showed her the, the clip and she laughed at it. And then we watched Bart versus Australia, um, which is still just incredible Simpsons. Um, the bit where the Australian guy's pissed off about the phone bill. He's like, I'm going to go speak to my member of parliament and just opens up his window. And there's just a guy in like a lake on a, fucking donut drinking a beer and he's just like hey prime minister <laughs> it's just it's great um so yeah the simpsons movie um it's aging mm. definitely aging um there's yeah there's there's a couple of gay things in it which i feel like maybe aren't aging particularly well mm. um it does make me laugh that it's on disney plus and it's got a bit where bart puts a bra on his head and like talks about how he's the head of an evil corporation because he looks like mickey mouse um and it's on disney plus good stuff um but yeah it, it it's it's a bit it's a bit of a mixed bag. There's stuff in there that works, there's stuff in there that really, really doesn't work. Um but I do like that they try and sell uh gaslighting America into believing that Springfield was never there by getting Tom Hanks to front the promotional campaign for it. That's mm. good. That's good. Um But at the same time, President Schwarzenegger, how is that not just President Wolfcastle? Why is Arnie just suddenly in it and not the guy who's supposed to represent Arnie? Just do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird, actually. Yeah, it's it it's an odd one, the Simpsons movie. Um, 
And it's just the it does one of the arcs that they do in it fucking loads, where it's Homer's an idiot, and then Marge thinks about leaving him, and then Homer wins her back. Mm. Like they do that quite a lot in the show, and that's like the 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 big character arc for Homer here, where he's like he learns to realize that to care like to show that he what care about himself he needs to care about other people or something there's like a trippy dream that he has and it but and it's like right and then after this film it's just back to the normal homer being homer and not having any realization of that or anything i think i think the only thing they really actually take on from the film at all is i think dr nick gets killed at the end i think this is the last time he's in the simpsons okay and and that's it like Lisa gets a boyfriend in this who I think is never like re- referenced again. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Simpsons movie. Um and then lastly, um I was on the older the old elliptical yesterday. I had a look through Netflix before I started it. It's like, yes, this will do. Um the early Colin Farrell film SWAT. Oh, okay. Um, so Samuel L. Jackson head of this SWAT unit. Um, and ha- the first half is basically Samuel L. Jackson getting together his new team of SWAT folks. And Colin Farrell's an ex-SWAT guy. He was kicked off of SWAT when him and Jeremy Renner uh, were partners and Jeremy Renner disobeyed a direct order and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jeremy Renner leaves the force. Colin Farrell stays. Uh, and they get together um, LL Cool J who does some running. Um, there's a bit where they're trying to look for Michelle Rodriguez um, and they're stunned that um, this badass person is a woman. Whoa. Absolutely. They reject one candidate at one point because he's a vegetarian and um, if you can't eat a good old-fashioned American hot dog with someone, then, you know, can you really trust them? Um, it, Which is incredible, actually. Um so that's like the first half, and all the way through, it's kind of like like putting in that um, Kylie Minogue's ex Olivier Martinez is um, in town and making trouble, and he's busted for a busted um, tail light, and then they discover, holy shit, he's actually like an international criminal, like internationally renowned criminal, um, and he says, "I'll give a hundred million dollars to whoever gets me out of this." And then the second half is the SWAT team basically on like an extended mission to get him to uh, a high security prison. So this is, a, a, you know, an adaptation of an old TV show. They reference the theme tune in the film in terms of the characters singing it. And it's in the score and you'd think that theme tune had the cultural re- relevance of Star Wars for the amount of times <laughs> it's played. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but it it fun it basically functions as if it is like the first two episodes of a TV show. Um, you know, like the first half is the first episode. It's kind of like setting up the team, and then the second half is like their first big mission. Um, and I I I think it's I I think it's all right actually. Um. Colin Farrell and Samuel Jackson's characters kind of just like each other from the start and continue liking each other. There's there's no like 
Conflict. Colin Farrell disrespecting the old man, and then it kind of, like they get a begrudging respect for each other. They like each other from the start. Um, and then LL Cool J's in it for some reason. Michelle Rodriguez is in it kinda for some reason. Jeremy Renner's playing a scumbag for like the I'm sure like seventh of what turns out to be like fifty six appearances in which Jeremy Renner plays a scumbag. Um but it's fun. It's really throwaway. It's aged quite badly. Um they hint at Colin Farrell and Michelle Rodriguez maybe having a romantic thing during the first half and it's never referenced again. Um and yeah, I I quite enjoy it. It's an hour forty five, speeds along alright. By the end of it, you're like, I would have watched another one of those. So that's SWAT. SWAT's alright. Um Okay, so um do we have an ETA on Mark? Uh hang on a sec. Uh he should be about ten minutes, I think. Ten minutes. Okie dokie. So um but no. Is there any I mean we could do the colour purple. Did Mark not watch it? No. Oh, did he not? Oh, shit. Well, yeah, let's do the colour purple then. Fuck. Also, we taking Seely with us. Ain't that right, Seely? <sighs> Come again. Seely is coming to Memphis with us. It's time she saw more of this world. <laughs> I'd die before I let that happen. Good. That's just a going away present I've been needing. So, this is directed by a man whose name is Blitz Bazawuli. It's probably not how you pronounce it. I apologise. This stars Fantasia Barino, Taraji P. Henson, Danielle Brooks, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, and Halle Bailey. A woman faces many hardships in her life, but ultimately finds extraordinary strength and hope in the unbreakable bonds of sisterhood. Bex, the colour purple. Yes. What do you think? Um, so I really didn't, didn't want to watch this until there was like a, a more recent trailer. I think I mentioned it last week that, um, that showed a bit more of the musically kind of stuff. Um, which I do like a musical, so it kind of made me feel a bit more like, do you know what, I'll give it a go. It's... It really suffers for me from pacing issues. Um, the... The beginning, like... The beginning feels, like, about right, and then Sugar Avery comes into it and it goes a bit high octane, and then the end of it just drags. So it's... It's just really uneven. Um, I think. I, th I think it's a shame, really, that that that's the case because I think the the characters that they've that they've created within the movie are all actually really quite good. Um, you know, the the, the girl who plays Celie is suitably like meek up until she's not. Um, I think Coleman Domingo's really good um, as Mister. I think um, 
what's it Taraji P Henson's great as Shugavery. Mm. Um Sophia's just my favourite and I want to be a friend. Um kid who plays Harper, really, really good. Just, you know, really good performances, but it's just unfortunate that the the the, the, the baggy period comes at the end because you got to a point where you're just like, oh, I just want it to end now. And then she does that final song and you're just like, is this it? Is, is it just a song? Because the runtime would suggest so, so I might just stop it now. Because it's such a nothing song. Yeah, it really is. I mean, to be fair, I think maybe all of the songs are nothing songs. Some that I really enjoyed. Um, what is it? Sophia's, is it Hell No that she sings? That's really good. Oh, towards that. the start. Yeah. 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 Um, and I like how ballsy they've made most of the women in it. Um, so, yeah, the it, it, thing is, it's a good story. I just, I don't, I don't know that we needed a remake. And I don't know that we needed that remake to be a musical. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really know who this is for. Mm. Other than a very, very limited audience of um, Christians who maybe don't, maybe don't want to be offended too much. Um, I thought it it's got a sheen to it the entire way through which I think I get it they want people to go out feeling happy but I feel like the hardships could have been more viscerally depicted i'm not saying like i want to see carmen domingo beat the shit out of um uh uh fantasia fantasia barino um but it just felt really bland mm. i all the, the musical numbers i almost felt like every time a song started it was just a music video and it almost like it should have done like the artist and the track title and the record label in the bottom left, like they used to do on like MTV or whatever. Um, and it, yeah, the whole thing's just got this artificiality about it. Yeah. Which I, I get it if they're ad- adapting it from because it, it's a stage musical, isn't it? Mm. Like that, yeah. They, they, so they readapted it into a stage musical, and. <laughs> I mean, sure, it, but I, yeah, I, I just left it going. Like, who is, who is this for? Um, because it, it doesn't feel hard hitting enough in, in the lows to really make the highs hit. Um, yeah, like they, they have a, they have a rough life. I mean, the roughest part is having the ba- like the babies taken away. And then not knowing what happened to them, and that happens so early on that nothing else in the in the film. And it, it, I mean, this might be a pro- problem with the source material. I genuinely don't know, but nothing else in the film like hits you like that. And then, so like you say, toward towards the end, where it's they they're making a new life for themselves, everything's getting better, and then Coleman Domingo's character, like 
has a couple of rough turns and then is suddenly it's his come to Jesus moment. And then by the end, he's like the old man who bought himself a new pair of trousers. Look at him go. What? Yeah. I, I mean, the book's more gritty. And I bet. I bet. <laughs> the, the Whoopi Goldberg movie is more gritty. It needed more of that. Yeah. To, re- like, to really sell it. But I get it. Because it's like they want to make a big barnstorming musical with like that's gonna make you feel good at the end but then that song at the end fuck off yeah like i i i and you know i i have no religion but just by the end they're like well you know god got us to this point what it gave you a really shit life and then (laughs) you're meeting your grown-up kids yeah well, I mean, yeah, praise God for at least give, giving you those kids 20 fucking years too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit gaudy at the end, isn't it? Um, I just... Yeah, you, you are right. I just, I don't, like you say, I don't know who it's for, apart from a lot of stuff made for younger generations now is incredibly sanitized and is it are they trying to bring this story in a sanitized form to a new generation like kids kids today um but kids today are not going to go back and watch a 1985 Whoopi goldberg version of this but who the fuck is going to watch this like yeah, I mean, and I get it. If like if if that was their idea, open it, open up this story to a new audience. And Great. Maybe some of them find the book, and I don't, I don't really know what their intention was with it. No, I mean, like to be fair, I think a younger audience saying "noted white Jew" Steven Spielberg directing "The Color Purple" mm. is probably something that might not go down well with audiences today, and I'm. I'm not saying Jew is a derogatory term or anything, like pointing it out. It's just, mm. he's a Jewish white dude directing the colour purple. Like, how, that would just not go these days. I can imagine a lot of audiences going, yeah, I don't think I need to see that. But, I'm, I, and I've never seen it, but I, God damn, I bet it's a better, it, it's a more fulfilling experience than this is. Yeah. I don't think I, I I don't think it's necessarily shit. No. It like the performances are good. Danielle Brooks getting nominated for best supporting actress all about that. I thought like she's very good in this. She's she, yeah, she's the best thing in it. Um but yeah, man. Like bit of a wet well, fart of the a film. Fact that, and it skims over it, but like she's beating her husband. Mm. Yeah. This Great. Was- They've just taken all the nuance out of the story by everything that bad that happens happens off screen. It's, yeah, and it, it, this is it, and it's like you don't you don't need to wallow in it. It doesn't need to be the Passion of the Christ, but <laughs> it you know the, the the way that they kind of neuter it, and then it's like God say like thank praise God for no. These women fucking these I don't know sisters are doing it for themselves I don't know like that's <laughs> as as you know but really you know I yeah man like just 
yeah, touching cloth, but really, really because of the performances. Mm. Long bloody film. So long. L- long bloody film. Wowee. I'm assuming at some point Jim Broadbent does does turn up and sing Start Wearing Purple at some point, doesn't he? He must do. He doesn't. Well, they've missed a fucking trick there, haven't they? (laughs) Just out of fucking nowhere, just Jim Broadbent in the full fucking Moulin Rouge regalia, just bursts in, sings that we're in purple, and then just fucks off again. Five-star film. Haven't watched it, know nothing about it. But I think that would make it better. Hi, Mark. Hello, Mark. Yep, coming crashing in like a motherfucker. Like, Like an idiot. What's your rating on it, Bex? Probably the same, like, it's fine, but it's pointless, so yeah, probably touching cloth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, mm, what do we want to do now? Mark, we've already done what we've been up to. <gasps> you bastards. I'm baggered. So, and Becky's not baggered. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a good discussion. So... Mark, do you want to talk about what you're up to? Then we'll swing back around to news and trailers. Yeah, we certainly can do. Uh, I'll just finish loading them up. Did you talk about the ones that you watched just on your own, Bex, or the ones that we watched as well? Uh, just the ones I watched on my own. Cool. Right. I am still loading up because I've, wa- I've, I've watched a fair amount. <laughs> yeah, we've only watched one together. That's not true. What else have we watched? Uh, we watched that one. We watched that one. We watched that one. I'm not going to cover the whole Doors and Maestro because I watched yeah, one last week. Yeah, we've spoken about So three then. Okay. Right, give me two seconds, guys. Uh, and I'll just finish loading up what I've got. This is how long it's actually taking me. Because I've watched a lot. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, four bets because you missed another one there. Dude, these films means nothing to you, Rebecca. I forgot how far back we'd be going because it wasn't a real show last week. Right, let's go. There we go. Right. Let's get into it. Uh, so I finished off uh, Roleplay uh, that you watched the other week, Ian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does kind of get a little bit... It, it, it's kind of fun and it's frothy and it's a bit like, well, none of this is new. Um and then gets a little bit bleak for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just becomes a little bit like generic for 20 minutes. And it was generic but fun to start off with. Um, but then, yeah, it's... Um, Kelly Kawaka and um, David Oyelowo, who I like both of them individually... Um, I, I did feel a little bit like within the film framing the film that this was the first time they'd ever met. <laughs> I didn't buy them as a couple. <laughs> oh, okay. Like in any way whatsoever. Uh, hmm. There, there was they, they. They seemed like they'd be really good friends, but but that like that the, the sex would just be just mild. Um, for that, so but but Bill Nye turning up for one scene and just being really peculiar but really fun is good. He 
at the bar. Yeah. Like, his energy is so fucking weird. Yeah. It's... I... I... I almost like feel like, like like a little bit like it would have been cool if you found out that, that David Illard didn't know that it was going to be Bill Nye and then just turned up and was like, "Why is Bill Nye here?" <laughs> but he he plays it perfectly. Uh, there, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I mean, I enjoyed my time with it overall. Uh, I had a good time with it, but yeah, it does get a little bit. Yeah, strange. I'm just reading. Apparently, Billy Bob Thornton was originally going to be the uh, Bill Nye character. Um, I prefer it being Bill Nye. Yeah, I definitely prefer Bill Nye over that. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. It, it, I, the just the oddity of it being Bill Nye, I think, just kind of added something to the film. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, as well, I like Kelly Coco. She can do these bits. I don't think she can pull off the. Act- action bits she physically looks like she can so it might have been a director kind of just a badly choreographed bit but there was a lot of bits where there was people stood waiting to be kicked <laughs> and it was a bit like oh. <laughs> um, but yeah I can have fun with it um, spin me round the film that has a better poster than it does um, film um, is yeah I did not have a good a time with this um the idea of this is that uh, Alison Bree's character Amber uh, works for essentially a version of Olive Garden uh, and wins like a competition to go to the uh, company's head offices in Italy, in Piazza, Italy, and uh, it's going to be like this really cool sort of um, like week that she gets to spend finding out. Like where the origins of all like the recipes came from and all this lot, and it ends up just being this really crap, um, like com- like company retreat. But uh, Alessandro Nivola plays the owner of the company, who kind of ends up sort of seducing her, and she thinks it's great. But it just t- excuse me, it just turns out that he just does this with everybody, with every hot girl. <laughs> um, it's 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 just it. It never has enough energy to run out of energy, so it just kind of happens. <laughs> but hmm. but Zach Woods is in it, and he's great. <laughs> yeah, Zach Woods is always all right. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza, a film where Aubrey Plaza and Alison Brie hook up should be a lot sexier than this movie is. I just Alison Brie, I can imagine her getting with Aubrey Plaza. She'd be like really, really into showing people that she's getting with Aubrey Plaza, it's like a, make, making it very obvious. It's a little bit like that. It's weirdly, it's a more muted performance from Alison Brie, which is strange. Mm, okay. Um, I watched Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. I spoke about it briefly last week. Um, it's. It's your first go around on this, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. It's really crap. It, it's it's phenomenally crap. The more I think about it, the crapper it gets. Um, I mean, Corey Stoll, who signed off on Murdoch? Oh, that's funny though. I can't it's, believe it, they fucking did that. Like what? I, 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 the character of Murdoch. You. It, the thing is. Corey Stahl playing Modoc, I think he's quite good. 
I think the whole idea of it is quite good, but the visualness of it, the visual of that, they could have made that funny and better looking and sillier and it would have made it better, but they didn't. And you're looking at it going, is that Corey Stoll's face? Because it just looks a little bit like he recorded it looking down at the back of his phone with his phone at a weird angle and mm-hmm. then just sent them it. it it's it genuinely, there are bits of CG in this film that I don't care that it's supposed to be quirky and a bit of fun. Right, I don't. I can't understand why the Flash got such bad shit for their CG, which it should have done, by the way. And Ant Man: Quantumania seems to have gotten away with it. Has, this hasn't been nominated for best visual effects, is it? Uh, no. Because if it is, then then yeah, we should just burn down every cinema in the land. Um, I like Jonathan Majors. I, I, I'm glad that Jonathan Majors won't be in any more of these. Um. Even Bill Murray feels a little bit like, is this all you've got? Mm -hmm. Is this all you've got? The best bit of it, of the entire film, was the little recap of Paul Rudd just kind of walking along in what could be any Paul Rudd movie. And then at the end, him doing the same thing. And then the rest of it's just an absolute shower of shape. Bad movie. Uh... White Fang is a good movie. It's White Fang with Ethan Hawke. It's really snowy and there's a wolf. That's about about all I have to say on White Fang. Uh, What else have I got? I rewatched The House. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. I mean, that's, that's always a good idea. Yeah. The House... The House might be the best Will Ferrell movie that people don't talk about. I think that's fair. It's it's just fucking great. Um, it, there's just some amazing lines in it. Will Ferrell saying, honestly, you don't want to see it inside this life. All I see is thumbs in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's elevated by the fact that Jason uh, Matsukas just brings his wonderful air of um, of kind of controlled chaos mm-hmm. to it. Um, it. It is is very good uh, in that. The sl- I like to think that he made those slides himself because <laughs> they have the same zany <laughs> energy it. that he has, and I could see him being the kind of guy that can make those slides. <laughs> Um, and then we, we so I realize I'm just laughing at bits that happen in the film now. But when he just rolls up Jeremy Renner in the carpet, yeah, that's good. And then just goes, "It's okay, everything's sorted." Then the carpet sets fire, and you get a really hard cut to them just stood outside the house on fire. It's, I genuinely, I think this is that if this had been released 10 years earlier I think people would be talking about it in the same breadth as the 40 year old virgin and Anchorman because I genuinely think it is it is at that level of just great comedy at points mm-hmm. um, are they women's sunglasses they're Italian <laughs> is, that, is that a woman's cigarette holder it's an Italian cigarette holder 
is fucking great movie. Uh, do you know what else is a genuinely fucking great movie that nobody talks about? Go on. Right. I, now, I remember buying this in the DVD days, watching it and really liking it. Right? It's Richard Donner's last movie, I, I believe. I'm just going to check this to make sure I am right that it is well, his last 16 movie. 16 Blocks? Yeah. I rewatched yeah, pretty sure it is. 16 Blocks. It is, yeah. Rewatched 16 Blocks. Uh, Bruce Willis and um, Most Deaf, back when he was still Most Deaf, before uh, he was Yaslin Bay. Um, and um, David Morse in the most David Morse of roles. Uh, is seen... he a good guy? Turns out to be a bad guy. Yeah. Have you ever right. seen 16 Blocks? No. Right. So when David, I, I'm not going to give anything because genuinely, I, I, I think you should watch this because I think it is a not just a not. It's not a like. Um, it, it's not a Mark likes it. It's definitely not a sabotage or even a taking of Pelham One Two Three where it holds a special place in my heart. There is some, there is some absolutely brilliant directorial work of framing of shots and use of slow motion that isn't just used throughout the film but is used in a in a specific shot where just the the whole setup of the shot is fucking fantastic the fact that something happens and you go oh shit and then you you see very quickly that's what happened and you're 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 seeing it from like it 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 pans from most death's point of view to then bruce willis's point of view to then somebody else's point of view but it's all the same shot and everything that happens then starts to make sense within it. it it's just a really well shot and it's um, I mean the whole the, the film is that Bruce Willis plays out a burnt out detective um, who is literally about to finish his shift but is told by his boss um, I need you to, to, to basically take this one guy it's 16 blocks from lock up to the courthouse, and that's it. That's all you have to do. 16 blocks, it'll take you 45 minutes. Do it. So he's like, fine, I'll do it. And then just all shit kind of breaks loose, and it turns out that most death, who's the guy who's got to take it from one place to another, is a, a petty criminal who is kind of being set up, but what he, the reason why he's been set up is he has seen... Um, a cop committing a essentially committing murder, and it will it will lead his testimony will lead to a lot of cops going down, um, and one of those cops happens to be David Moss, who then right. is trying to fucking essentially kill him. Um, and Bruce Willis used to be his partner, and they think that he's going to go along with it, but he has like a an epiphany of. I can't let this guy who is just seems like a good guy who just wants to open a bakery. He just wants to fucking get to Seattle and open a bakery. And it's but it's a really good film. It's a it's a really entertaining like action thriller uh watch. There's some great shots in it. Gets in and out in like an hour and forty minutes. Um and you can tell it's not directed by a standard jobbing director it's directed by you know richard donner who made some fucking great movies mm. and bounced around you know the great thing about genre about uh, richard donner was he bounced around genres as well 
But, I mean, I mean the guy fucking made lethal weapon. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's... what's this on? Uh, I watched it on Prime. Okay. But it, it would be a really solid elliptical watch. Uh, well, yeah, okay. That, yeah. Yeah. I, I watched. Um, you, you weren't here, but I was talking about SWAT earlier on. I watched that on the elliptical yesterday. And did you have a good time with SWAT? Oh, SWAT's all right, man. Yeah, I, so I, so I like SWAT. Yeah. SWAT's a fun watch. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a a more engaging watch, I would say, than SWAT. It's probably not as fun, but it's a, it's a lot more engaging, and it's, a, it's sure. a better film than that. But yeah, the you'll know the shot I'm talking about. It's quite early on, um, but it's just a fucking. It's a wonderfully. Um, staged just shot that comes out um, what else did I watch uh, I watched Set It Up uh, which stars uh, my new obsession Glenn Powell uh, and uh, Zoe Dush um, uh, where it, this is a Netflix movie from 2018 that I can't believe we missed um, where Zoe Dush and Glenn Powell uh, play Assistants to like high level, um, like CEOs. Um, Hudich is the assistant to Lucy Liu, who runs like this really big shot, um, sports website. And, um, Glenn Powell is it's Tay Diggs, who you never really find out what he does, but he just he, apparently he has an important job, but he's just a dickhead. And both of their, their bosses are both dickheads. And they work in the same building, and they basically decide that both of them need to get laid essentially and have like a relationship. Because if they're having a, if they can get them to have a relationship, then they might get some time off while they're doing relationship things. Oh, that's quite a good idea. All right, yeah, yeah. And so, and then, and then of course, you know what kind of happens while they're setting them up that you know things start to happen with Zoe Dutch and Glenn Powell. Great, good. Those two look like they should fuck, so that's and, brilliant. And they really do look like they should fuck. But the thing is, it's just... You watch it going, right, she's really charming and really fun. And he is just doing the Glenn Powell thing of being really charming and a little bit dumb, but not like not like, not like Ryan, not, not like Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling kind of dumb. Just like... Just will occasionally do dumb things, but also seems like he is actually fairly smart. Um, it's a fun, again, elliptical watch, mate. Do that. But it mm. is a fun fucking film. I had a good time with it. Only criticism is that of it, as I was watching it going, they, you know, they are basically seeming like they're playing into every stereotype of high-ranking CEOs just being fucking unmitigating fucking arseholes and just getting away with it because they are bunny ears on a podcast good at their jobs. But they don't at any point seem like they're in any way good at their jobs. Mm. Uh, but yeah, fun full film uh, and just sets along on just them two being fucking really good screen presences. Um, yeah. Oh, and also, uh, Pete Davidson... <laughs> Pete Davidson plays um, Glenn Powell's gay roommate, <laughs> and wow, okay, and, and, and he plays it fantastically. Doesn't play it as like, doesn't play it as camp in any way. Does he just play it Pete Davidson but it, gay? So, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds okay to me. There is a, 
I'm genuinely. Are you, are you, are you going to watch this at some point? I, won't I mean, I'll give, pro- yeah, I mean, yeah. I probably will at some point. Yeah. There is a moment where he does something that is comedy that is just fucking brilliant that he does to Tay Diggs. I'm not going to say what it is, but it is fucking brilliant that was made better by I found out afterwards reading about the film. Tay Diggs had no idea he was going to do it. And he just fucking does it. Hmm. And it is fucking brilliant. Okay. It is. I, I I laughed to the point of where I had to, I had to pause the film because I was laughing that much. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, continuing um, my, um, my, my mild little obsession I have with Glenn Powell at the moment. I rewatched Everybody Wants Some, the spiritual sequel to um, Dazed and Confused. Very good. The Richard Linklater movie from 2016. We reviewed this, didn't we, on the podcast? Yeah, uh, yeah, we will have, yeah. And I, I, I believe we, we both kind of really liked its vibe. I yeah, thought that it was a good time. It's still a really fucking good time. This film yeah. gets better every single time I watch it. Um, I think this is about watch maybe number four for me on this film. <laughs> um, it's a fucking great <clears> film. <throat> You're just hanging out with these guys that are just... They're kind of idiots, but none of them are dickheads. They're just... They're just, like... It's explained in the film that they are... But it's explained in the film by them that they are just... That they were all, like, the best baseball player at their school. So they've all got that level of ego. Yeah. But they are all... They all also know that they are not the best baseball player on this team that another guy is. Um, And they're always trying to like, but they're hyper competitive, but they're also teammates. It's just that, but they're also horny. And it's all of these things mixed into one, but they just come across as just quite nice guys. They bounce around all these different parties. Uh, Like at one point they're going, I can't understand this. Like one, like, Two nights ago, we were at a disco party in disco clothes. And then the next night, we're, we're doing Cotton Eye Joe at a cowboy bar. And then tonight, we're punks. What's going on? And Glenn Powell just goes, I don't know what you mean by that question. We're just going with the floor. It's just, <laughs> it's cool. Just go for it. And it, it's, it's the film that made me fall in love with Glenn Powell because he is just a fucking charisma vehicle in this movie. Mm. You are watching him going... This guy's a, this guy is just a dick. Knows that everything he says is complete bollocks, but you know he's a fucking great night out, and he's he's the guy who will do anything for one of those guys. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant film. Nice, Bex. Should we do the ones that we watch together, and then should we have an argument about zone of interest? Yeah, can do. So we, we, we both watched Untouchables. We started watching it together and then we finished watching it separately, didn't we? Yes, quite yeah. stages ago. The Untouchables, I think we spoke about before. Yeah. It's fucking great. And the um, the runaway um, pram Baby sequence yeah. is genuinely just one of the most wonderful sequences in cinema. It's so tense and I, I don't even like children. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I am so glad that Andy Garcia turned out to, to, went on from this to be Andy Garcia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. 
It is just really fucking cool that you wouldn't have thought that the Andy Garcia in 1987 would turn out to end up being the Andy Garcia that we got in Mamma Mia 2. No. But I'm glad that we did. Yeah, no, it's really good. I love the Untouchables. Yep. Um, What else did we watch? We watched The Brothers Grimm, didn't we? Yeah, we did. You really like The Brothers Grimm, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah. What did you say halfway through this movie to me? I don't think the people need to know. I think you need. I think they do. I don't what, think they I do. I think they do. What did you say? No, I don't think they need to know. <laughs> Come on. You can't embarrass me because they're saying dumb <laughs> things and you say a, a dumb thing. I said, I love how weird this film is. Like, if someone said to you this is a Terry Gilliam movie, you wouldn't be surprised at all. And it's not. And you went, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. It is a Terry Gilliam film. <laughs> I um, think you knew that but had forgotten that. Probably, yeah. I'm fairly certain that you knew that but had forgotten that. Well, because I think it's because I think of Terry Gilliam as being like in the ago. Mm. And this feels like a really recent movie. Although it wasn't a really recent movie. No, it, it, it's 18 years old. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, always, whenever I watch anything with Heath Ledger in, it always makes me go, oh. Yeah, it's sad. Um, Peter Stormare's fucking great in this, though. It's really good. And yeah. uh, Lena Hadley just plays herself. An absolute dick. Yeah. And yep. there's a werewolf. And there's a werewolf. Mm. Um... What else did we? We also rewatched. Uh, what did you? Are you seen this before? I think I must have done, but I didn't remember it. Uh, we Maybe watched... we started it before and not finished it. I, I finished it before. We watched yeah. spiritual another spiritual sequel. Yeah. The spiritual sequel at a gross point blank, uh, War Inc., which feels more prescient now than it probably did in two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Really fucking good. It's a it's a fun movie. Um, a very very satirical look at the um, economics of war. The the, the co opting of big yeah. business of arms businesses uh, running wars. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's Cusack doing very much the gross point blank thing, but in a more satirical way. It, you can see why it's basically the same character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's still the fact that you've got Dan Aykroyd essentially playing the same character as well uh, there. Um, it's a very fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is really good. It's, um, yeah, watching it currently, like with the current situation, it's a bit like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. No, there's bits here that are satire that actually... Mm feel like they're real they're, they're, actually, they're actually playing out now it is weird when you watch like older satirical things and it's like oh you see that was outside of the realms of like imagination and possibility back in the olden days and now it's just life well yeah you, you messaged me you didn't message me you said to me about halfway through the movie do you reckon anyone would have thought like 10 years 10 12 years ago that idiocracy and warring would turn out to be like prophetic films <laughs> Um, we also watched the paper, didn't we? We did the uh, Ron Howard Ron movie. Howard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it's just a a fun kind of comedy drama, all set around like what, like one day, is it? I feel like it's all set around one day, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that kind of like it, it's quite fun because it deals with um, like the. 
the dumbing down and the uh, the slowing down of print news, mm. but not related to the internet. Mm. It's just the it's the pre-internet that's dumbing down. It's the tabloidity of it all. Yeah, serious papers getting more tabloidy to scoop things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To kind of like, and it's it's not it's it's dealing with the idea of look. Of starting to deal with the, the mindset of it's not about being right anymore; it's about being first. first. Yeah, yeah. Um, with that, and it's you know you've got, but you've got the comedy element with Michael Keaton being there, um, and then Randy Quaid just being quite amusing in it. Yeah. But yeah, it's a. I enjoyed it. It's a fun watch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was really good. I, I, I had nightmares for a few days after. Because of Glenn Close. Because of Glenn Close's face. Yeah, yeah Glenn Close's. Yes. They've yeah. not done her any favours in this movie. They have not they? done her any favours. She she definitely pissed off hair and makeup. Oh, 100%. And they went. And, and they basically. <laughs> they went, like a potato in a wig. Yeah. Oh, you want to look 100, do you? <laughs> yeah. They've not. She's she got no lips throughout this entire movie. She's a little bit crap in it. Yeah, she's not good. Yeah. Which does fall into my, my thing of I think there's a possibility that that the more I watch, and I've watched quite a lot with Glenn Close that she she veers toward the Richard E. Grant bit of I there's a possibility she's never been good, <laughs> yeah, but that people like her, but that's different to being good. Yes. Um. And then we watched. I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one, Becky, because I don't think you believed me when I said this film existed. <laughs> No, no. So we watched Stay Tuned. Um, oh shit! I saw yeah. it in the cinema. I yeah, I remember Stay Tuned. Okay. Who did you go with? I went on my own. Oh, we've not done that. God, I, I bet this is aged like fucking warm milk. Nope. Fuck off, Mark. No, no. Come on, Bex. No, it's really good. because there's no really yeah, because there's nothing. It's there's no like. It's, there's no inappropriate, inappropriate yeah. in it or anything like that. Or yeah, all right, okay, I take it back. It, it's all just right. all very much. It's. I mean, for anyone who hasn't heard of or watched Stay Tuned, Jeffrey Jones essentially plays like a. He, he basically is like an employee of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and. But also a TV. Exam. Well, but he runs essentially <laughs> Hell TV. Yeah. And the way that he gets souls for the devil is by getting them on Hell TV and getting them... They have a series of challenges they have to pass and if they fail, he gets their soul. Well, no, they just have to survive for 24 hours, don't they? But yeah. they get like flipped through channels. Through channels, yeah. Various, like, peril. Peril within, within like these various TV shows. And so he gets John Ritter's character, who is just a... He, he's, a he's a TV addict. Yeah. Um, so he spends all his time on TV, and he gets sucked into the TV there. And who's the wife? The wife is um, Pandalba. Okay, I don't know who that is. Right. Um, yep, sorry. So yep. she is from. I'm trying to think of what like massive she. She's had like a few big films. No, no, she's not. Wait, that. Um, but like Eugene Levy, Levy's in it mm. as like a. Uh, guy, he? he was like Jeffrey Jones' assistant who just pissed him off too much and so he's been kind of banished. Yeah. 
into the channels. Into the channels, but he keeps on like just losing limbs and shit like that. <laughs> he keeps turning up with like <laughs> less and less <Yeah>. limbs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 uh. Oh, Jeffrey Jones catches up with them at one point, doesn't he? And references his extreme weight loss plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it's a... so many bits that'll just make you snort laugh out loud. It's nice. eighty. It's eighty odd minutes. And it is just, it, it it's just bonkers. At one point they're mice. At one point they're in a Prince video. And John Ritter is Prince. But it's a salt and pepper video. Yeah. But he's dressed as Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's an actual salt and pepper video that Jeffrey Jones is the DJ in it. Salt <laughs> and pepper in it. And John Ritter is essentially guest starring as Prince in the video but he's not like in blackface or anything like that so no don't no worry. no he's just in like he's just in like a Prince outfit, outfit. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's really good I did not I did not for a second expect this to be as good as as it was it is genuinely really fucking funny yeah fair play great do you know what else is really fucking funny Nazis, according to you. Jonathan Glazer's <laughs> written and directed. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, yeah. Um, multi Academy Award nominee. Uh, multi five out of fivers on. Uh, oh, Mark. On Letterboxd. He's about to embarrass himself. I'm not about to embarrass myself, actually, I don't think. Um, so. It's set in 1943. Randolph Hoss uh, is the commandant of Auschwitz concentration camp and he lives next door to it uh, with his wife, Hedwig. Uh, and their five children. She's not an owl. Um, she's not an owl, no. And, yeah, and, and so the, the, the film is, you know, what would happen if you had suburban life literally next to Auschwitz. Bex, just... No, 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 no. You know my thoughts on it. I don't know your thoughts on it. You keep saying you've got loads to say that's going to absolutely like shatter everyone who thinks it's good's arguments and blah, 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 blah. So, you can go for so it. So, what's good about it? I think it's subtly powerful in the representation of the absolute coldness and heartlessness of these people that have conditioned themselves to see the people in the concentration camp as basically just livestock to be disposed of. But then there's flashes of like real cruelty as well that, that show that they know exactly what they're fucking doing. But that really, they're just living their lives and these children are just living their lives and in the background of quite a lot of the scenic shit that they're doing like when she's showing her mother around the garden and when they're having a picnic outside and there's just like gunshots and screaming and shouting and stuff in the garden and it's like on one side of this wall there is a literal fight for survival going on and people are people are fucking dying and they're just being baked in ovens and then and struggling and thinking probably thinking to themselves what can I do how can I get out of this there might like you know hoping that somehow they're going to get out of this situation and on the other side they're just eating fucking afternoon tea and they do not give a shit about what they're doing they don't care at all about the, the suffering that they're inflicting you see this is my issue with it 
is it's not that I didn't get that. I just think that's just lazy as fuck. Because the problem is we know what went on in Auschwitz. We've seen it. We've seen, we've, you know, you, you, the people who are going to see this movie have grown, grown up knowing images. They've known what's gone on there. So this idea that that, um, that Glazer's got, where we never actually shows you inside the camp, you don't get to see it, is a falsehood. Because we know, because we've fucking seen it all. We know what went on there. So it, it's cheating there. It's, no, that's kind of the point. It's showing you a but, different perspective on it. But I think it's, I, I do, I think it's cheating because I think he's using, he's using, he's <laughs> manipulating people effectively because he's using that background to show you what essentially is just he's saying, just, just, just look at them just getting on your life. Here's a four-minute sequence of him turning off all the lights and just locking the doors with all of that going on behind it's like well we fucking we none of this is new i don't think people necessarily would have appreciated how close residential properties were to the outside wall of auschwitz that that people could bear to live that close to that but the lack of humanity of the people involved as well but the people that lived there were the people that worked there do you think they commuted during the war from fucking 20 miles away? Well, no, obviously not. But I, I don't think... I I would never have suspected that it was literally... They were literally, yeah. There was so, a wall and then that wall, the other so, side of it, was someone's garden wall. Yeah. Right. Okay, you might have known that. I didn't know that. But again, I don't and showing, think... And just showing them living alongside it and, and the lack of... The lack of care and empathy that they have is... But Nazis having a lack of care and empathy is not fucking you. I'm not saying it is, but you don't see it. It's showing a different just, angle on it. I, 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 I genuinely... It has... It, it honestly, it has baffled me, people's reactions to this movie. I, I, I genuinely do not get it. I, I, I think it's incredibly manipulative it's lazy it's just oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna show you the the just the absolute horror of nazis but without showing you the horror really jonathan i i, I wasn't aware that nazis were fucking bad until you showed me this movie fucking hell and the fucking honestly the more i think about the the girl that is the darkness in the light. Oh, the, really the light in the darkness. Is just... That is some fucking grade A fucking film school bollocks. What? Nothing. Come on. She's not being portrayed as a light she, in the darkness. It's, she it's absolutely the, the 100% is. Negative, so she is. So that everything else is dark and she's, in, she's light... And then even when she comes out of the dark and she's in light, she's still in. How she's else still is lit supposed up. to show her doing it in pitch black darkness? What? But there's a ah. Oh, the visual is there to show you that she's a light in the darkness. It's this girl who is planting food around Auschwitz for them to get for the, the prisoners to get. And every time you see her, it's pitch black apart from she is this shining ray of light. It bollocks. It's. It, honest, it, I just the more I think about it, the angrier this film made me. You're an idiot. 
and then the, the cutaway at one point where he looks down the fucking corridor and then we get to see the Auschwitz now as it is as this as the museum and the people still having to just work there and clean and bits like that and then it cuts back to just the film again it just felt it, I, nah not buying it yeah because it's showing how easily we move on and it goes from being this prescient atrocity that's happening to being a museum that people fucking go to and how people forget and move on with their lives and then we are doomed to fucking repeat the same mistakes. Do you know what would have been, do you know what would have been more fucking... Do you, know what would, do you know what would have been more powerful than showing the cleaners doing that? Showing the dickheads doing fucking selfies outside it. That would have been more powerful. Well, yeah, but nobody wants to acknowledge those cunts, do they? But that would have at least had, had an impact on it. it. But it did. It's not. It's not showing you it to be shocking. It's showing you the mundanity of what it what it has become. How we've rationalised it and tucked it away in the back of our minds, so that we can move on and just uh, crack on with life. I, I have a question about it. So, obviously, like the rise of fascism across the world, I think speaks to Mark's point about. Yeah, it, 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 like these 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 things kind of coming back and like making sure we don't. Uh, sorry, Becky's point about making sure we don't forget them. I, I I will ask: Is there anything in this film that would make either of you think that someone not of that it's going to change anyone's mind about any like? I I I I think of a film like Black Klansman. I'm not necessarily saying that's changing minds, but it's angry. That is an angry film, and you know, I said back in the day when we reviewed it, that film is a sledgehammer to smash a walnut, but it needed to be. Zone of interest, it kind of feels like it's, from the outside looking in, it's almost too subtle and making the point of like the banality of evil, which is a point that I feel like 100% of the people watching the film will go with whereas if it maybe was a little like more visceral visceral and more cutthroat like mark's example there of going like there are fuckers right now who who are taking selfies and going to auschwitz because like oh well you gotta go to auschwitz if you're gonna be in that area yeah you know more than remembering what what it means it's a tourist attraction yeah it it did the does the film need to be angrier? You're not gonna you're not gonna do anything with an angry movie about this because the people that it would be trying to change the mind of just won't see it. Well, I, I don't think what I will say is I don't think it's the film point. at any point tries to make you feel sorry for the people within it. No, it does. It definitely it definitely doesn't do that. Um, maybe a, maybe a little bit the lead character, a little bit, but not a lot. But it doesn't also try and demonise, I don't think, any of them, apart from the wife. She's a twat. And that's it. And that it just plays to the fact that she she, she just likes the fact that she is... The queen of Auschwitz. Yeah, that she, she is the self-branded queen of Auschwitz. But it doesn't... It doesn't try and demonise any of them. I just... I, I, I Genuinely, I am... I am aghast that the, the amount of people that I've seen come out going, it's one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen. I am very much like, 
I genuinely wish I'd watched the same movie as you. I found it really powerful. It it really it, it really upset me. And, uh, and I think it's that, it's if that. it's trying to, you know, there's there's the saying in there, and I can't remember it verbatim, but it's something along the lines of "bad shit happens when good men do nothing." If this is going to speak to some of the good men, and, it won't. Um, but they're already there, like they're already of the opinion that this is bad shit. But if it makes them go, can't let this happen again. We can't. We can't just idly stand by. Then. You know, even if it's on a it, real small scale, I'm not saying they're going to fucking storm Russia and take Putin out. I genuinely, I don't think this would in any way impact anybody into acting like any in any other different way. I think it is okay. This, it, 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 yeah, I don't know. It feels like it, it, it hits as a powerful thing and I, I like the the I, I think that I, I'm looking forward to seeing it like I, I think the I well <laughs> yeah you, no no I no I mean like I, I like I want to have an opinion on it you know um I think that idea of the way that it's like people almost like trying to cl- like to climb the professional ladder ladder and the wife trying to like climb the wife of a professional ladder as such but it's the nazis is an is an interesting idea um but yeah i i i don't know just the way the world seems to be going at the moment i there is a part of me that's well as well that's like a lot of people are talking about how important this film is and it's just yeah, but these fuckers who believe that Donald Trump's vote, uh, like election, was stolen from him, aren't going to be fucking watching it. I almost like I, I, I'm almost like I want a big director like Nolan to not just do Oppenheimer, but do a big grab you fucking by the scruff of the neck and go look at where we are and make it for the masses. Yeah, this. I mean, it, it's. I, I I found it. Personally, a, a very passive film. That's the point. But I just don't think that you can be passive dealing with the fucking Nazis. But there's plenty of cartoon villain versions. I don't, don't think there needs to be cartoon villain with it either. I I, I completely agree with you on that. Because the, the problem is the. The, um, the stupidification of the of the Nazis has led to them becoming a a, a clown like figure, mm. which has diminished the the outright evilness of them. But then this just makes them just seem like oh they were just you know guys just getting on with their job. That is what I got out of this from the it. Bit at the beginning where they're, they're they're discussing upgrading the ovens so they'll be more efficient. Yeah. For- it just seemed like that. That, that just seemed like referring to people's units. That yeah. didn't make them seem like just fucking evil to you. No, do you know what it seemed like that 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 they just treated it as a job, and it made me think, yeah, it's fucking it's stormtroopers. That that's all it was. Okay. I, the thing is, these things happened. Auschwitz was a real place. 
these things always happen. So the fact that they did upgrade the open spaces, the fact that they did um, make the rooms bigger, the fact that they were planning on adding different extensions into wings so that they could speed up killing Jews when they knew they were losing the war. None of that's new information. It might be to some people. Uh, I just, I don't, no. I, I, I found, I mean, I found, I found the fact that Jonathan Glazer is a, a, a visual filmmaker. I found it quite personally, I found it a little bit galling that he has made a, what he would consider a piece of art out of other people's suffering. I found a little bit galling, to be honest. I found it manipulative, galling, and a little bit like, mm, fuck off. I mean, in, in in terms of manipulative, I don't know. It's really hard because I haven't seen the film, but I, I'm almost like the point that he's trying to make is almost like, if you don't agree with it, there's almost something wrong with you. Like so, the manipulation point I'm meaning is that we can hear in the film you can hear the screams and you can hear all these things, but it makes a point of never showing you that, which I think is fine. But if that was the if this film, if this film was about the concentration camps in Bengal, for instance, that we were responsible for, the British were responsible for, um, then fair enough. But everybody from you know from a young age that is going to be on to watch this film is aware of Auschwitz it's taught in schools so the imagery that is invoked from it you, you've seen so he know, he knows what he's doing with it there's no I wonder what's going on behind that because you fucking know what's going on behind that and I just found it to be quite I don't know you you're trying to create Going for intrigue. No, but no. But he's trying to make a an artistic think piece about something that I just maybe think that you shouldn't be making an artistic think piece about. That that I don't I I don't like the idea that, that, that there'll be a lot of people tapping their back saying, "Oh, well, well done. That was that was a really thought provoking movie, and it's about." Oh, hang on a minute, you needed zone of interest to think that the Nazis were bad. One of those, clearly, clearly I just did not fucking get the same film as other people. If it, if it just didn't hit you right, then that's fine. I think there are people that are going to go, do you know what, that felt really powerful and really... It was thought-provoking and it made me fucking terrified for the immediate future then there's going to be people that it just doesn't sit right with concentration concentration camps weren't invented by the nazis it's aware of that and I'm, but no, I'm, not, I'm saying you weren't what i'm saying is concentration camps were something that have existed literally since since the dark ages and still exist now we haven't learned we didn't learn. Again, though, that's the point. 
just I don't get I don't get why that point needs to be made. I don't I don't get I don't understand what the film is trying to say. That, I think that's my issue. So I don't get what the film is trying to say. And I mean, every time when someone says to me that's what the film's trying to say, and they're going, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure we already fucking knew that. Not everyone does though. I'm sorry, if, if somebody doesn't know that fucking Nazis are bad. That's not all it's going for, is it? Nazis are bad is not all it's going for. I don't get what else it's going for. Maybe I maybe maybe it just pissed me off really early on and I just c- couldn't get beyond the fact that I actually quite like the fact that the opening three minutes is just a fucking blank screen and then I close in three minutes just a fucking blank screen I actually quite like that I thought fair enough this is fucking interesting but then the the fucking two three minute sequence when turning all these fucking lights off and cl- locking all the doors I was like oh fuck off now and that happens fairly early on in the movie yeah that it was just fuck I could off. feel you getting more and more frustrated as well as yeah. that opening was happening and you, thinking fucking You're not showing the you're not showing the the everyday kind of machinations of this like you you you're you're fucking eking it out. Him going around and fucking locking every window and locking every door. What does does he go out the next morning and open why would he unlock all of those fucking windows? That was just piss off. I, 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 sorry, I, it's clearly just everybody else got it and I didn't. It's one of those. But one day, one day I'll walk by somebody in the street and we will stare at each other and we will give a little fucking nod like fucking Batman and fucking Alfred in that cafe. We'll give a little nod and we'll just nod at each other and we'll fucking know you thought out of interest was shit too, didn't you? We won't even need to say it, we'll just know. Wowee. Okay. I think that, uh, is, the, I uh, think that, that, I think that is the most me and you, Becky, have ever disagreed on a movie on the podcast. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit angry with you. <laughs> I know you are. Oh, Jordan's just sent me a message. Say what? Sent me a picture of his next book. <laughs> He's starting the dark It's not a sort of interest, series. is it? No, it's Um... What what what's the rate? What's the audience poll on this zone of interest? I'll find out. Clearly, clearly, it's going to fucking disagree with me. Let's have a little look. Zone of interest. Come on, you fucker! Why is my phone not updating? Definitely not shit. Hundred <laughs> percent. I think as we have a slightly expanded range of things that we can say, I think for me it would be a thanks, I hate it. Because it, okay. it, it's magnificent, but I hate it, and I hate yeah. the way it made me feel. Okay. You're not allowed to give yours, because you're just a fucking philistine. I, I, it's, it, I started about being a, a, a philistine. If I, if, I, if I was sat here saying it's boring, nothing happens, you don't see any fucking shit, you don't see people getting tortured or anything like that, I could understand the, the people going, mate, you're a fucking idiot. I could understand that, but 
Yep. There's a thing I could say, but it sounds really fucking mean, so I'm not going to say it. Because I know, because I know people that really liked it, uh, and clearly it's just me not getting it. But the, but before I knew you liked it, as I walked out the cinema, I thought I bet the fucking Guardian pullout fucking loved that movie. And then when you like, I, I loved it. It's like, what the fuck? I mean, it, 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 like literally, Mark, you are the one dissenting opinion that I've, yeah. I think I've seen. Yeah, I know. I have. And the more I see it, the more I'm like. What? No, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, no, back in, right, I think we need to move on from the zone of interest, I'm going to uh, see it, I've, you know, I want to see it next weekend, but next weekend, there's a couple of films out that I want to see more than the zone of interest, we'll get into that in a bit, but I want to swing back around to trailers, not going to do news, want to swing back around to trailers, so, um, as we discussed on the show previously, last year, Mark was made the head of Amazon MGM Studios, <laughs> and uh, this week, that has borne fruit with two trailers for two films. Yeah. Um, Mark, as the head of Amazon MGM Studios, I'd, I'd like you to open the discussion, please. Ricky Stanicki. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, they had me at Zac Efron, it's got Zac Efron, and it's got John Cena, fucking sold. Fucking make it. Do you know what I know it's about? No, I'll wait for the trailer, dickheads. Was the exact fucking pitch they gave me. Uh, I, 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 do you know what? I'd have given them more money if I'd have found out what it was about. So, yeah. Did you not watch this one, Rebecca? No. So. I was literally still watching The Colour Purple when Ian messaged to say I'll be five minutes. Really? Because you started watching it like 10 this morning. Is it that long? Yes, it's that long. <laughs> uh, I went to see Claire, didn't I? It could have been. So, it seems that the premise is that, that Zac Efron and his group of friends have made up a character called Ricky Stanicki that is a childhood friend so that they can occasionally get away for like weekends and nights out away from their partners. And then it turns out that they have to kind of bring him somewhere because they want because everyone wants to meet him. So they hire um, an actor played by John Cena, who just gets a little bit too involved with being the character Ricky Stanicki. Interesting. Yeah, he, he has a better life being Ricky Stanicki than he did before. <laughs> yeah. Just, Fair. just, just again, when they pitched it, they had me at Zac Efron and John Cena. It just, you know. Ten, like 15 years ago this would have been a film that would have quietly did like 50-60 million dollars worldwide Yep, would have washed its face would have done fine, now it's just shut out on Prime on Prime yeah. it's fucking heartbreaking it well is. it's not heartbreaking, it makes me think I need to get other interests, but you know there's there's also, yeah yeah but I'm I'm glad that you've taken this direction, Mark. I I, I feel it's the right direction to take. Um, and your your second project, which was unveiled this week, my second project was uh it, the the remake, the Doug Lyman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is literally minutes away from taking his fucking name off it. <laughs> Roadhouse, uh, not because he thinks it's shit, but because he fucking hates Amazon. <laughs> Uh, right 
I get it. It's a remake of Roadhouse, which is a very fun movie, and I love Roadhouse, but people would say it's not a great movie. I think it is, and they're wrong. Um, but then you th- don't like Zone of Interest. That stars... Yeah, I know, which means that it's probably a better movie than I'm giving it credit for. Um, but it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, looking all Jakey Gyllenhaal and sexy as fuck. Um... And yeah, it, it's it's got Billy Magnuson and it's got Conor McGregor in it. It looks fucking great. Yeah, it's alright this. Yeah. It, it looks fun. Fucking daft as it should be. Um, I'm looking forward to Jake Gyllenhaal ripping Conor McGregor's throat out. Yeah. I think... Not right, in it. Don't get me wrong. Conor McGregor's an idiot. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, there's, there's no getting away from that. But I actually kind of like the fact that his first film role is this guy. <laughs> is this guy. I actually think that if it pans out in the same way as it does in the original Roadhouse, that... It's actually quite fun that he's decided that that character is going to be the first character that he's going to play in a film. Because we know he's the bad guy. We know he gets fucking killed. I'm fascinated to see if they if there's the um, inference that he's gay as well in this one as there was in the last one. And that he kind of wants to fuck Patrick Swayze. Um... I don't think there will be for some reason. But fuck it, I'm fascinated to go out. Billy Magnuson in always makes a film better. Fair. Yeah, this fucking looks great. It's going to be a lot of just... just A lot of JKG with his shirt open or with his shirt off. And I just think that that's, that's a good place to be for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I think we could all say that. I mean, the poster was, you know, it was fucking hardling and panty wetting, wasn't it? Ian, let me send you a screenshot of our WhatsApp conversation where I spent four nights in Yes, please. I'd love to see that. Oh, actually, no, it's a GIF, isn't it? Yeah, you'll still get the picture. We, we chat a lot of shit. We chat a lot of shit, Bex. We do yeah. chat a lot of shit. Get in there. Oh, there we go. Nothing dodgy on there, is there, Tim? You try to get a good shot of the gif. Yeah. You're failing miserably at taking a screenshot here, Rebecca. There you go. Uh, what other trailers uh, have come out? Because um, I was so excited by 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 you know promoting my own shit mm. that, I, that I, I I might have missed it some. Does look fun though. Fair play. Um, right. Uh, oh, here we go. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure you did that on Twitter. I'm pretty sure I did do that on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, yeah. He, he uses it on Twitter a lot. Um, uh, my Twitter's a wonderful so, place, Rebecca. Dev Patel directed a film, Monkey Man. Yeah, Monkey Man. Right. Yeah. Let's go. If this is going to be like a less well action choreographed John Wick, but with Dev Patel, sure. 
I am fascinated by this movie. It's Dev Patel it, yeah. and Chateau Copley have made a movie. <laughs> Dev Patel has directed and did he co-write it? I believe he did, didn't he? I believe he did, yeah. And it's produced by Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, yeah. Go on then. Dev yeah, Patel's a it, fascinating guy. I. It's just, it's great. You know, he did Skins and he did Slumdog and whatnot. And he seemed to disappear, and now he, you know. But then he he pops up every now and then. It's like, do you know what? I'm going to be a filmmaker, and I'm going to make some really quite brutal looking action at points. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the second unit director probably did like a, a lot of the work with that, but that's absolutely fine. Um, it, I'm I'm very excited about this. The imagery looks evocative. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, it feels like a world that is going to be very cool to watch for a couple of hours. Yep, I mean it's just it, I, I think he's a fascinating guy, Dev Patel, mainly because whenever you see him talking about film, he's he's got some. He really likes film. He really likes cinema, um, and he talks about it really well. But he doesn't talk about it really well in the same way as, um, as for instance, it's fascinating to hear um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt ten years ago when he would talk about like Truffaut and people like that that influenced him. I, I, you like that, but Dev Patel does it with this really energetic smiliness to him <laughs> that is really cool, in, in a similar way to like, um, like like listening to Elijah Wood talk about trauma. Mm. It's just, I, I like the fact that he's clearly, it, it, he has no aspirations to be a fucking movie star, but is enjoying the fact that he is a, in films, that he is making a very good living in the business, and he's an incredibly smiley man, and that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, people should be more smiley. Be more like Dev Patel, who just and I hope this doesn't come back to haunt us. Just comes across as just just a nice guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, good. And the more you fucking see him in a suit and bits like that, the more you look at it and go, do you know what? In a a less fucking complicated and dickheady world, that guy would make a fucking good Bond. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. It would. He would make a a really fun, but fucking. Do you know what? He's fucking wearing the shit out of that fucking suit. I bet he looks amazing in a fucking turtleneck. Mm-hmm. I bet. I, I I I bet if Deb Patel, if, if you were out for a pint and he turned up in a turtleneck, you'd be you'd be there going, "Fuck, I want a turtleneck," but I won't look that good. I won't look. I want to look a fucking turtleneck. I want to look up his who his girlfriend or wife is. Yeah. Because I, I I bet you if she buys him some she she just she knows he's gonna look fucking good in it. She doesn't need to Tilda worry. Tilda Cobham Hervey. Tilda um, Cobham. Kind of got a bit of the Daisy Ridley's about her. Yeah, oh, I don't say that. That makes it sound really dull. She's Australian. Let's have a look. 
Oh, no, I could see yeah, that being Dev Patel's wife. Yeah. Let's have a look. I'm sure I'm just, I, I want to find that picture there, of yeah. Dev Patel in a, in a turtleneck. So I bet he just fucking looks great. Yeah, just a lot of sweaters. He's wearing a sweater. Oh, he's wearing a t-shirt and a fucking and a fucking fedora. He looks fucking great. Doesn't look creepy. I'm, I'm googling Dev Patel. Great podcast in this. A man googles Dev Patel turtleneck. That might bring up some really uh, bad images. Mm. Turtleneck. Let's have a look. Oh, he's wearing one. I found one, of Ian. Okay. Fuck, he looks good. Dev Patel turtleneck. All right, I'm on it. I was right. Doesn't come up on Google Auto Search. Oh, he looks good. Oh, hello. Have you got the cheeky what? fucking V-neck um, orange jumper? No. Oh, uh, you will. Oh, hang on. Yeah, but that's not a turtleneck. I have a turtleneck. But you just said, yeah, he's got a V-neck orange jumper. Yeah. And then it's just his neck. No, I, I, I'm saying that's another, that's another one. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just basically going through. Oh, that's just now. another one. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, mate, you, you, I, I thought you didn't understand what a turtleneck was for a second. No, no, I've got a turtleneck of him at the InStyle Awards. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah, the InStyle Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, that fucking orange jumper speaks to me. Couldn't wear it. Yeah. But man, he looks good. Yeah, that's a fucking look. That it is, fucking is. Fair Guys, fair. just Google uh, Dev Patel GQ when you'll find it. Fucking hell, he's a good-looking man. He is a good-looking man, isn't he? Fair point. Right. Smiling like a motherfucker in it as well. Love that. Yeah. Right. Twitter questions. Real higgledy-piggledy fucking show, this. But Twitter questions, then we're out. Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, I think it's going to be good next week. We're all on at the same time next week. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be nice. Uh, Right, let's have a look. I did enjoy the baghead chat, though, to be fair. It was some good baghead chat. Let's have a look. Yeah, Bex explained to me as we drove home last night, and it sounded fun. Bex, are you going to be back in the room? But you can hear me asking the questions to be thinking of your answers. Dylan Black Lanterns, what is the most annoyed you have gotten at, at something you have been watching? Um... (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of a funny story <laughs> is that still where you threw your coffee at it isn't it yeah 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 exactly right yeah through my through my coffee at the screen <laughs> my sorry Cineworld Cardiff what are you saying Bex that's probably zone of interest for you yeah no it's not zone of interest it was um, there's two for me one was the Babadook, which just, I hated it the more and more it went on. Uh, and then at the end of it, when it was just, oh, fuck off. It can be just kept fucking sedated with a locked door and some fucking worms. Can't be that fucking bad then, can it? Dickhead. Uh, and the first time we watched Wild Wild West, Bex, at the cinema, where I walked out uh, during it, didn't I? Um, and I, I, I shouted at, at Will Smith to fuck off back to playing golf with Clinton, you fucking no longer fresh prick. It's good. As, as it just, I think it was 
where it's something I, I said if they turn up in a fucking spider vehicle that's it I'm off and then the next fucking scene it was a spider vehicle I actually yeah. watched Wild Wild West a couple of years ago and actually quite liked it Bex you're almost back in the room there you go um, I can't remember its name now that Vietnam one that I didn't speak to you for ages after Oh, Casualties of War. Casualties of War. Also, yeah. was it was it Carlitos Way as well? Carlitos Way didn't speak to me for a few days afterwards yeah, as well, yeah. 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 It used to happen quite a lot, that. I got scared as you watched during your films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you're an unreasonable person. Very reasonable. You shouldn't uh, show me shit that you know is going to make me sad. <laughs> All right, I won't. Uh, Rick Kidd. Um, there's been a trend of acclaimed actors doing badass hardman action roles in their 50s and 60s, e.g. Neeson and Washington. Who of the current crowd of performers in their 30s and 40s do you want to see follow this trend? In their 30s and 40s? They're in their 30s and 40s that you want to see in their 50s and 60s just randomly become a badass action star. Dane Caleb Landry-Jones. Oh, that'd be fucking good, that. Dane DeHaan. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's bet. Yeah, in that kind of school though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The weird gangly ones. Well, you basically, yeah. you guys there have picked the. You've picked the, the the kind of like if you had a person and you had like the the absolute utmost of that person of this is the version of them that you want to take home to see your parents versus the antithesis of that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, for that. Um. Badass fucking action star of people that are in their fucking days. I mean, Aubrey Plaza doing a fucking badass action thing in like her 50s could be pretty fucking cool. Mm. That could work Fair. out pretty fucking well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Anna Kendrick. Mm. <laughs> Anna Kendrick just like, just doesn't do anything for years and just comes back fucking hedge. <laughs> but 50. I don't think it works when, uh, and it's going to sound bad, but I don't think it works when, like, the female of the species tries to do that. Like, none of them have... Atomic Blonde was good. Um, it's just fine. Like, and then there's that Jennifer Garner one, and then that fucking J-Lo one. The, the problem it is... It just doesn't but... need to work well. Halle Berry's probably come closest in John Wick to actually succeeding in it recently. Probably, yeah. On on the um, hench for a second, uh, we haven't talked about it on the show. But The Last of Us, they've they've cast um, Abby. Yeah. Um, and I really, 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 really hope that girl gets some fucking protein. Yeah, like like literally that she's just fucking lifting like a motherfucker for the next fucking six months. Like Caitlin Diva does not scream Abby to me at all. Um, it's fascinating that, that it, it's really the, interesting yeah, casting the, the that is fucking hell she's got to make for that is is something and like the thing it like that's a part of the character of Abby and Neil Druckmann is still very very involved mm. so it it's not like they're going to try and get away from that any um yeah, is, that's you mm. have it with you know with with you know with male actors who are you know who get fucking just buff and big for films, you know why can't you have it with a, a, a female actor? Hey, look, no, I'm, I'm no, 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 I'm saying that. I'm just saying it's a really interesting idea that they've that they've cast somebody who has to bulk up to that role rather than casting somebody who more fits that 
that physique. That's, I mean, that's I, not going to happen, though. Like, why? Caitlin Deaver's... A, she's an actress. She needs to be able to get other roles after this. Have you seen what Abby looks like? Mm, that's why it's fascinating. She's like the fucking Hulk. I know. That's why it's fascinating. But, but Caitlin Deaver's not going to do that to her body, is she? Why? Because she she's wants gonna to be need able to work a, after it. But she's gonna she's gonna need to get to it. She's gonna need to get to a. I think there's also a cleverness <clears throat> to this because there will be an awful lot. The way they can get away with it a little bit, and the cleverness is there will be an awful lot of fucking hell. Look at what she looked like to what she looks like now. So you get a falsehood of her looking bigger mm. because you've the audience has got the visual of that's what she used to like. That's what she looks like now. I think they might go with athletic rather than CrossFit build. versus weightlifter. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could see them doing that, and like she's just really hardcore cardio. Yeah, because I mean, like Alicia Vikander yeah. pulls off being Lara Croft strong, and she's tiny. I mean, they should have just carried. It's, it's good cast, argument. Gonna be duff because she's got buff now. Have you seen this? How buff Hillary Duff has got? Buffed up. Hillary, Hillary Buff. Hillary Buff. Yeah. Which, which, which I've not seen anybody do as a headline. Because <laughs> nobody is as witty as me. Yeah, that's it. Nobody is as witty as, as that as, is it as the punny of podcastery. I'm just exactly. proving, Becky, that women can get buff too. I'm not saying that they can't, but if Caitlin Diva is used to getting pretty little delicate girl roles and then looks like that, like buff, maybe buffed off, she's not going to get any of those jobs anymore, is she? But maybe she don't want those jobs. Maybe she wants it in her fifties, be an action star. Maybe. I mean, uh, to be fair, Bella Ramsey's got a harder job looking like. Ellie in part two versus barely looking like Ellie in part one. <laughs> I'm I'm actually quite surprised by how unexcited I am by this. That last episode really fucking the the tail end of the series, you, yeah. yeah, yeah. It just deviates far too much from the tone of the game, and like it 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 pissed me off at the end. To be honest, I'm I'm looking forward to. The reaction of people, spoilers for The Last of Us Part 2, I reckon they'll pull in the end of the, maybe like the second episode, Joel getting killed. Yeah, he, he, he will be in it for, I would say, over half the series. Or there'll be a lot of flashbacky bits. It, but it just, well, like the game, it is like he's killed off. Like pretty quickly into the story, is it during the training um, mode? Well, because there's a bit of there's a, a bit of like in between part one and part two, and then it part two, like it basically the title card comes up, and then it starts with Ellie and Dina having to relieve Joel and Tommy, and then Joel and and um, Abby's around, and then. Joel and Tolly, Tommy rescue Abby, and then Abby's like, "I got somewhere where we can all go and be safe." And it's the compound essentially where her and all her mates are at, and they kill him. 
it's actually like really quick into the story. There's not a lot of Joel on screen before that happens. I mean, it's the inciting incident of part two. So it, it, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think they'll do it at the first episode. I can feel like the end of the first episode would like maybe be almost like the game does where it kind of, it, it just introduces Abby almost like a cold open. There's no context. It's just suddenly you're playing as this other person. I feel like they'll do that with the end of the first episode. Like in, in Alan sec- Wake 2 when you're just a big old naked fat guy. Yeah, which is the greatest opening to a game I've ever played. <laughs> um, just what the fuck? That game, oh, <laughs> that game looked fucking bonkers, the bits I watched of you playing it. It's great. It looked fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It looked, it looked fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like, not like there's a game to play. I, I, it looked baffling. Um, visually. But visually, yeah. I did mean, you did you watch did you watch the musical sequence? Yeah, she made me watch the musical sequence. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's like does this just keep going on? Because <laughs> you could just stand there. And like the music would just continue, and like if you're watching the screens, they'll just keep on doing the dancing. But then, like the the old gods of Asgard start like gesticulating as to where you should it, go, like go, where you should go, like go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from from what the bits you watched and the bits you explained about it, I mean, it's an incredible. It's it, it, it's bonkers where games have gone, and it's mm. really interesting where they might go. Mm. I just have no interest in playing them. <laughs> mm. Gotta do control now, Bax. I mean, I'm I'm back on my Resident Evil shit. Yeah, all right. I'll have a look. But at no, it again. I, it's I think it's because it's not horror-y enough for me. It didn't grab me last time, and it was also really complicated. I'm not good with. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more sci-fi than horror. Don't don't get me wrong, yeah. but yeah, I, yeah I, I, right. I I find just using that controller complicated. Yeah. Why? Because uh, they, they, they've made it more difficult to get back to the menu screen. You just press the... the... You, you press the PlayStation button. But you just... I, I, I cannot get to grips with it. I don't I don't like gaming. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you can't make me. No one's trying to make you. You're just missing out. What we could be next week, Ian? Okay, coming up next week... Matthew Vaughan's Argyle. Is that next week? Yep. Fucking hell. Um, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what the whole fucking secret of it is. Because it's like, once you know the secret, don't let the cat out of the bag. And the trailer, it's like, it's time for you to meet the real Agent Argyle. It's going to be a someone. Yeah. But who? Like, and I, I, I... The thing is... The unexpected cameo in a film has become so done now that unless, I don't know, it was like Clint Eastwood. It's going to have to be somebody, (laughs) but it's going to be... Like Tom Cruise. Like, that would be holy shit. Yeah. But it's not going to be that. There's a like, part of me like, that almost kind of feels like could it be like Will Smith as some part of like career rehab move? That could be quite good. 
but it's going to be someone like Brandon Flowers from the Killers or something like that. <laughs> no, but I mean, th- this, this is the thing. It's like if it turns out to be Brad Pitt, that's not going to be very surprising. No. It won't be Ryan Reynolds because that's just very, very done. And it, 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 it's, I feel like it's got to be someone actually monumental. Like you even could have had George Clooney before The Flash. Yeah. I don't know who Al Pacino. Let's just have Al Pacino there. Army Hammer. Oh, there you go. Oh, could you imagine? Well, who knows what we will get from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughan. That's a little bit of a, yeah. Um, the early word is, it's fun. I, the thing is, I am going into it going, do you know what? The Kingsman movies are fun. It was weird that he's, that he's been talking about saying, oh, we've got the beginning and the end of the third Kingsman movie um, written. We just need to write the middle. And I thought, Pretty sure there's been three Kingsman movies already, haven't there? But the Kingsman and the King's Man. Yeah. I I still want the King's Man too. It's just like, yeah, all right, let's have Hitler in it as well, why not? Yeah. I'm just... That's fucking such a fucking bananas mid credits scene, Jesus Christ. Um but yeah, okay, so we got that. And also American fiction comes out next week. Fuck yes. Don't know how wide. Yeah, but now that it's an Oscar, like nominated for a bunch of Oscars, you'd like to think it's going to have a presence. I would, yeah, I'd, I'd hope so. I mean, it's been—I've seen quite a lot of trailers for it at um, uh, at Parkway, so I'm hoping that it, it ends up playing there. So there we are: Argyle and American Fiction should be a good week next week. I'm really not looking forward to spending two hours and 20 minutes in the company of Bryce Dallas Howard. Bex, you can skip out. I might. Yeah, you can, because I, I will happily spend two hours in the company of Bryce Dallas Howard. Sam Rockwell. Sam fucking Rockwell. I don't know, that is the only thing. He's going to dance. You would think he'd dance. He's going to fucking dance. Uh, or I, I think um, it's... American Fiction is is listed as coming soon to Beverly, uh, has been released on the second of February. So I would think we'll be able to get to that. I'm I'm sure it will play somewhere I have access to. We got Lottie's belated birthday party on the Friday. Yeah, no, I should that should be. Yeah, I can get them both in for Sunday. It'll be fine. Cool. Nice. Alrighty. So, um. Don't do this a lot. At Film Bastards, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, at Bexy Foz, B E X Y F O Z. On what? On the gram. On the gram, yeah, that's fine. There you go. Um, can, can I just, just very quickly, before we go, because I don't think we've actually spoken about this film yet. Have we spoken about the trailer for Wicked Little Letters yet? Uh, no. Looks fucking I, 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 like genuinely, it's like one of my most five anticipated movies of the fucking year. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, it does. Sorry, that was just it. What? Just like a community getting like, what the fuck's going on about like really controversial letters being written? Yeah. I just, I, I just, I, I'm I, just really, really excited to see Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley just saying really, really obscene shit. Shit, to each other and just finding it amusing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it feels like a today Ealing Studios yeah, comedy. It does. 
it does. I, I, but I'm just looking forward to them to just like it's it, the bit of the trailer that got me is where she where she like to her face insults her and then she says something back and Jesse Buckley goes, I like that. <laughs> and it's like fuck. All right, I'm sold on this. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just I, I, just, I just saw that as, as a coming up soon. I just uh. thought we haven't mentioned it, and it needed a mention. Nice. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you much, Ian. Thank you very much, Becky. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, Jason Reitman, your trailers have started coming out. You and Gil Keenan, I know your game. Um, I, I'm just going to say this and then hopefully play this back when Lottie gets married one day. Lottie has just appeared crawling through the door and is butt naked. <laughs> Sorry? All my PJs are in here. <laughs> All your PJs are in there? Yeah. Why do you crawl in? I took you off because I thought you were on camera. You thought I was on camera? <laughs> okay, all right. To be, fair, to be yeah. fair, to be fair, I um in the uh, in work at this desk on camera quite a lot. Right, fine. I'll let you off. That won't get played. Go on. Get some clothes. Chaos. Um, right, um... <laughs> Jason Reitman and Gil Keenan, I know what you're up to, and it smells like bullshit. Good night. Bye. Bye.